Welcome back, creeps. Hey, y'all. What's going on? Happy fucking Friday, everybody. Yes. Yes. That is the day. That is today. <laughs> All right. Do we have any? Oh, this week's patron. Patron of the week is. Yo, mama. I mean, she is a patron, but no, not this it, week. Not this week. Uh, this week is going to be Caitlin D. I realized right. I should have been putting second names, like second initials on yeah. here. Um, but we don't have any actual multiples. So if I say Caitlin, you're the only and you Caitlin. know you're a patron, you're the only one. <laughs> and that goes for anybody on this list. I think it's for their peace of mind. Yeah. So this week, Caitlin D. And I'm going to use my little magical highlighter. I'm going to go. The D stands for you damn right. Damn right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, all the way up in Canada. North of the wall, as they call it. Um, yeah, and I think that's it. Once again, we've got no fucking news. We haven't even like put out a video this week for our personal channel or anything because we just have not done But that thing. will change soon because I get a planner tomorrow. Yay. I need to manage my time better. Yeah, don't we all? Don't we all? If you are on the spiritual side of things, I have a discount code. If you want to check out, if you're in, in the market for any spiritual items, such as uh, books, uh, tarot decks, altar items, uh, incenses, candles, all that good stuff, go ahead and go to magic.com. That's magic with a K. Our coupon code is CREEP in all caps, and you get yourself 5% off. Nice. Anyways, I'm going to start. Yeah, I think so. Go okay. for it. All right. So my sources are Wiki and Murderpedia. Today, we're going to be talking about spree killer Nico Allen Jenkins. This is a grade A piece of shit. Yay. Yay. So you know what that means? We get to make fun of him. I hope so. <laughs> Born on September 16, 1986, in Colorado, to Davis A. McGee and Lori Jenkins, Nico came from a long line of notorious criminals, therefore was exposed to violence very early on. At age seven, he brought a gun to school, but no one was hurt. His criminal record began at 15 for hijacking and aggravated assault. He stopped going to school and started getting locked up. Yay. He got his GED in jail. He was in and out of jail until the murders. The murders. <laughs> <laughs> he, when he was released from prison in July 20th, he got a face full of tattoos. You should see this guy. Like, he looks like a book. Anyways, these, ta these tattoos attracted a bunch of ladies who all like to call themselves his wife. So, wait a minute. He, what year did he get released? 2013. Oh, okay. He got the tattoos while he was in prison or? He got tattoos when he was in prison, but the face full of tattoos came after. Okay. You thinking about getting some tattoos on your face? No, I was just curious as to whether it was like, you know what? Today I get released from prison. I'm going to go get my whole face tattooed. It seems that way. Okay. But um, also there are different uh, colors. So I don't think he got them all at the, on, at the same time. That's what I was wondering because like. I know a lot of people do that. Like, they're like, I want this sleeve, but I don't want it to look like it's a sleeve. So, like, you know. Really? Get, like, a load of random shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I did that, but not intentionally. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. You didn't <laughs> walk like, in on one day and go. Yeah, because yeah. I was like, oh, wait, I should have designed a sleeve. What did I what did I do? And so I just turned it into a sleeve. <laughs> yeah. No, he wanted the face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. He wanted the face. So in Omaha, Nebraska, at 5 a.m. on August 11, 2013, two bodies were discovered in a white Ford pickup truck that was parked near a city swimming pool at 18th Street and F Street in Spring Lake Park. The discovery was made by a cop on a patrol. The people inside were Juan Uribe Peña and Jorge C. Caliga Ruiz. Both men had been shot in the head and their pockets hung inside out. They were lured there on the assumption that they were going to have sexy time with two women. Oh. Yeah, so I think it might have been a Craigslist situation. Literally, like, who believes these Craigslist ads? Desperate men, I guess. I don't know. This was the first murder Nico committed upon getting released from prison. The kind of bullet that was used was a Brennell Classic Magnum 12-gauge, otherwise known as deer slugs. Oh, okay. On August 19th at 7 a.m., the body of Curtis Bradford was found outside a detached garage at 18th and Clark Street. Bradford's body was found by a man heading home after a night shift at his job at a convenience store. Police arrived to find the man was shot in the back twice. Bradford was, acquaint- was an acquaintance of Nico. The man posed with Nico for a picture the night before that was posted on Facebook. On August 21st, the body of Andrea Kruger was found at 2.15 a.m. by a deputy sheriff who was responding to shots to a shots fired call. Her body was found on 168th Street and 4th Street with multiple 12-gauge shotgun wounds to the face, neck, and shoulders. Jesus Christ. And you know how big shotgun yeah. shots can be, like, on her face. That's ridiculous. Like, she was a mincemeat. Mm-hmm. Her murder happened right after she got off of work from her bartending job at the Deja Vu Lounge on 168th and Pacific Street. Her car, a gold 2012 Chevrolet Traverse SUV, was nowhere to be found. At 6.30 that evening, police found the SUV abandoned at 43rd and Charles Street, approximately 12 miles away from Kruger's body. The SUV was set on fire inside, but the fire went out before it did much damage because it was a piss poor job. On August 30th, 2013, Jenkins was arrested for threatening assault. Usually the police don't take threats like these seriously, but this was a front as they were already onto him. A woman that was associated with him was caught on surveillance footage at a local gun store buying deer slugs that were used to kill the victim. The victims. Yeah. So they put two and two together. When they arrested him, he assumed that it was for the murders, even though they told them, told him that it was for um, threatening Solved. other people. Okay. Uh-huh. When they, the cops that interviewed him were like, we literally didn't have to do much. Like he, he kind of fished to see what we knew a little bit. But then after that, he just dominated the conversation. And he like he started out with like, oh, I can help you find out who killed these people. And then he went on to finger his cousins. Be like, yeah, I think my two cousins oh, did like it. Oh, he was fingering his cousins? Yeah. and then As in like pointing the blame. Yeah. Okay. And then he was all like, yeah, um, you know what? You can probably put a wire on me and I can find some stuff out for y'all because I got 
quote, street cred and all sorts of shit. You know what I'm saying? And then at the end of it all, at the end of this eight hour long conversation or one sided conversation, rather, he ended up outing himself and then admitting to the murders. I just still can't believe you said he was fingering his cousin. Yeah. I think you got to uh, check your use of the word fingering <laughs> in the future. Anyways. Uh, Jenkins told police that the murders were actually sacrifices to the Egyptian deity Apophis. He was charged with four counts of murder after his confession. A little known Apophis, or otherwise known as Apep. He was a deity that embodied chaos and was the opponent of Ra, who was the god of light, and Ma'at, who embodied order and truth. He is depicted as a serpent in Egyptian art. He was said to have been born from Ra's umbilical cord, and he's supposed to be like always be in battle with Ra. And nothing that I read, anything at all, suggested that Apophis ruled the underworld. It just kind of read like he just lived there. He's just one of the guys. Yeah, he was what they called the eater of souls. It doesn't surprise me that someone like Nico would relate to someone like Apophis if this veneration is genuine. Any narcissist would naturally identify with a deity, especially one that humans detest. It's the whole thing of, oh, the anti-hero. I, I'm that person. Yeah, no, you know, I, I get it. He just thinks me. he's a badass. Like, Correct. But what a fucking deep dive, though. To Well, this is just all a preface because he outed himself. But someone who's psycho like this, yeah, it's probably going to think he can get away with it because he used like throughout his life, his tactic of getting his own way was using intimidation and violence. No, no, no. I get that. Like, I'm mean, always here. Like, look at the fucking conjuring. Like, and another point, um, if he has floods of women calling themselves his wife, then his ego is boosted up to a thousand. So he's like, I know I have this charm and I know I can charm myself out of this. I'm going to get away with this. No, I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying like how many times we heard people like John Wayne Gacy and uh, like Son of Sam and stuff like jump to like, oh, it was the devil. I was possessed, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I've never heard someone go. Oh, very specific. Like so specific. Like, do you think you um, just watched one documentary or something about like the old Egyptian gods. I could was like, be. oh, that sounds pretty cool. Could be. <laughs> I mean, it, it could. I mean, he was in prison a lot of the time. Yeah. Maybe when he wasn't like stabbing or beating wardens and other inmates and making shivs out of toilet brushes, he probably picked up a book or two. Yeah, yeah. Because he did. Discovery make, Channel strikes again. Because <laughs> he did make a shiv out of a toilet brush. Oh, I'm sure he did. <laughs> Jenkins wrote letters. To the Omaha World Herald, his prosecutors and the judge that stated he would plead guilty in order to protect Apophis's kingdom with, quote, animalistic savage brutality. How Apophis's kingdom has anything to do with the Nebraska justice system? I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, hey, he's just doing the Dark Lord's work. <laughs> On February 19, 2014, Jenkins filed a six page lawsuit. For $24.5 million to the state of Nebraska for wrongfully releasing him from prison that time right before the murders. 
He said that while he was in there, he told officials that he was hearing voices from Apophis and he was repeatedly ignored and his continued imprisonment in solitary confinement augmented his schizophrenia. Therefore, the four people that he murdered should be blamed on the corrections officials. Fancy that. Jenkins claims to suffer from schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, and OCD. As a result, the judge ordered a psychiatric evaluation. And the psychiatrist concluded that Jenkins had antisocial personality disorder. Now, let's see what that means. Antisocial personality disorder basically means you don't give a shit about anyone. Sometimes called sociopathy. Remember that? Mm-hmm. It's a mental disorder in which a person consistently shows no regard for right and wrong and ignores the rights and feelings of others. People with antisocial personality disorder tend to antagonize, manipulate, or treat others harshly or with callous indifference. They also have an enduring pattern of behavior characterized by disregard or the violation of the rights of other people. Yep. (laughs) That's a mouthful. After he was deemed fit for trial, he represented himself at trial. Throughout the whole thing, he just kept doing dumb shit like pretending to speak in tongues, howling, and laughing as the prosecutors went into detail about the murders. Because that's going to gain you brownie points with the judge. On April 16th, 2014, he was found guilty on all counts. He was sent to Lincoln Center Psychiatric Hospital just to make sure he would understand that death was on the table because they hadn't sentenced him yet. And to see if he understood what that meant. Once the doctors were like, yeah, he's not possessed or crazy. He's just a piece of shit. Jenkins was sentenced to death on May 2017. He appealed on April 20th, 2020 to the U.S. Supreme Court, but they gave him the big fuck you. And that's my story. Well, that was a lot of information. Yeah. Like, here is my story. (laughs) All right. Well, I hope you guys liked that. And if you like the short ones, you're going to hate this next one. (laughs) (laughs) when when i started looking into this the other day i was like oh this is gonna be an easy one like you know maybe i'll like put this aside for like a week where i'm busy or i don't get around to like properly researching a story i was like piece of piss great then i was like okay i better actually sit down and do it now get it all done nice and neat and then i realized there was so much more (laughs) that i had missed the first time around so i'm really glad that i got into it this is the Lachance family haunting or the screaming house of Union, Missouri. Oh, that sounds awesome. So a little preface to the story. I don't want to go there, but it sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Lachance, the kind of main man from this story, he has written two books about his experience with the screaming house. I haven't read either of them, but they are both still in print. And if you want to go and check them out, absolutely do. Also, I'm going to give a quick trigger warning here for self-harm and also animal abuse. But there's just very brief mentions of it throughout the story. It's, it's not like a big detailed thing or anything. With that being said, this is the Lachance family haunting. Actually, no, I'm going to call it the Screaming House of Missouri. Okay. Sounds more metal. Yeah. So, Stephen Lachance is a single father to three kids, Eliza, Elliot, and Eli. His wife just up and left one day. All right. 
I think she said like, ah, oh, it's the right thing to do. I'm not a good mother. So here you, you do it. Anyway, they're all living in a small little apartment in Union, Missouri, and they're at the end of their two year lease. Stephen is starting to get desperate because he's answering all the ads and like local papers and stuff. This is 2001, by the way. Mm. But he finally gets a call from this strange old lady. That's what he consistently calls her. <laughs> they go and see the, this, what he describes as a great big house. I've seen it now and I'm like, I think it's a great big house compared to the apartment that they were in. Mm. Because he really makes it out to be like a fucking like manor house and it's not. <laughs> anyway, they're all delighted because, you know, naturally it's a huge change from that apartment. And the kid, like at this stage, Eliza, the eldest, I think is 13. And she seems almost like, you know, the mother in this family dynamic now that her actual mother has left. So, you know, growing kids, big house, whatever. When Stephen asks for an application form to apply to rent the house, the woman asks, you understand the responsibility that comes with living in an old house such as this? And he's just like, Oh, yeah, like, it's really beautiful. Like, we'll we'll take care of it. Don't worry. And he thinks nothing of it. There's a lot of other people in the house viewing the house as well. So he doesn't really think he's going to get it. But lo and behold, a week later, the woman calls and says she's decided to rent the house to him and his family. And arranges to meet him the next day at a restaurant so they can complete all the paperwork. Where'd they go? I don't fucking know. He just said a local restaurant. Oh. But Stephen was like kind of disappointed that they arranged to meet at a restaurant and not in the house because, you know, he wanted to go back and like just look at the new house again. Mm-hmm. But he just figured, you know, oh, she's she, hungry. <laughs> she's not available or whatever. Oh, like this okay. is easier for her, you know? Yeah. I think it's nothing more of it. So the following Friday, the family move in. Nothing too strange happens other than some stranger in the car pulling up real slow. Rolling down the window and saying, hope you get along okay in there. What the fuck, dude? Before Mind your he, business. <laughs> yeah, before he speeds off. Again, they think this is kind of fucking odd, but... Yeah, no shit. Yeah, they're like, oh, maybe it's just like an odd neighbor or something. Meaning well, you know? Yeah, okay. Another strange thing that Steve notices at this point is that all the doors have those old-fashioned, you know, hook and eye latches. Oh, yeah. Which, hook and eyelashes, yeah. <laughs> hook and eyelashes. Oh, okay, that's different. No, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> you really know? No, I know what it is. So, it's probably not that strange at all, like, in a normal older house. Mm-hmm. But all of these were on the outside of the doors. That's weird. Yeah, as if to keep something locked inside the rooms. The next day, Saturday... While hanging a picture in the living room, Stephen thinks he's finished, but as soon as he turns around, he hears a crash, and the picture has landed on the ground. He's just like, for fuck's sake, rehangs it, turns around, and crash, it's on the floor again. Mm. He hangs it a third time, and this time, as he's walking away, he feels a rush of air, and the picture hits the back of his ankles. Oh. That sounds awful to it me. It does, because I've had you run into me with a cart on the back of my ankles. It hurts yeah, like a right? bitch. So he hangs the picture a fourth time, and this time says, Stay there, damn it. <laughs> Very PG-13. 
if that was me, I would have been much more colourful about the whole situation. But Stephen doesn't believe in the paranormal. Okay. So he just thinks this was like a random, really frustrating event, but laughs at himself because he's on his own, literally talking to the wall. Yeah. Anyway, the kids are sitting outside on the porch. I think just enjoying the fact that they have a house, a fucking porch to sit on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Eliza calls her dad out and she's like, look at this. It's a porch. (laughs) Yeah. Look at this. It's a porch. Now, there's a man walking down their side of the street Mm. coming towards the house. and Weird. Well, no, not weird. Like, it's just a man walking down the road. Oh, I thought. Oh, down the road. Okay. Sorry. In my head, I see him coming towards the house at them. No, no, no. Just like on the sidewalk on their side of the road. Okay. He's walking down and Stephen's like, what? What am I looking at? Mm-hmm. They're like, just wait. As the old man realizes that he's getting to their house, uh-huh. he abruptly looks up, kind of realizes where he is and crosses the street. Weird. And just keeps walking the same way. So now he's thinking, Stephen is like, Oh, wait, are these neighbors oddly friendly or oddly fucking rude? Yeah. He stands there like he's chilling with the kids for the next couple of hours or whatever. And every single person. Oh, does the same thing. Same thing. Oh, so, yeah, that is weird. And he said like he even made a point of, you know, like trying to make eye contact and say hello to it. Everybody just fucking ignored him and went Jets. the other way. Yeah. yeah. Sunday morning rolls around and it's time for yard work. They've gone to church nice and early and are all just really excited about spending the day in their very own garden. Stephen asks his youngest kid, Eli, to go down to the basement and grab the garden hose so they can hose things. (laughs) (laughs) They can water wet things. A few minutes later, he hears his little lad screaming and runs in to see what's going on. He finds the poor chap standing in the kitchen in a puddle of his own piss. Oof. Right, like he is so scared, he literally pissed himself. Uh-huh. He's shaking, saying that something chased him up the basement steps. Whoa. Stephen thinks, you know, ah, oh, it's just a new house. He's scaring himself. Yeah. Yes. What was it? The kid says, "I don't know, but it was big." Oof. So Stephen goes down, and like naturally, there's nothing there, just the garden hose lying on the stairs where the kid dropped it as he yeah. ran. And the other kids start making fun of him, mm. naturally. He's the baby brother and... That's what you do. Like, oh, it's the basement monster. Oh, don't go down there. Oh, you bitch. <laughs> yeah. Next day is Monday and it's the last week of school for the kids. Every day, I think basically what would happen was Stephen would go to work and then the kids would go off and catch the bus or walk to school or whatever. But every day when they came home, all of the lights in the house would be on. Stephen kept thinking, you know, the fucking kids aren't turning off these lights. And by Thursday, or sorry, by Friday, him and Eliza go around purposefully turning off every single light in the house together before they all leave. And they double and triple check. All the lights are off. Of course, when they come home that evening, every single light's on. Yeah. Stephen is like convinced now that someone had been in the house or was still in the house. Yeah. So he like goes around. He's at like really on edge, making sure that there's nobody fucking hanging out in there. He checked to make sure no one had broken in or anything. No sign of that other than the lights being on. So he calls the landlord furious, assuming that she had let herself in and 
Mm. Well, they were all out, but she assured him that she hadn't, you know. She was like, I never left the restaurant. (laughs) I'm still here. (laughs) But yeah, she's like, oh, it's illegal. I can't do that without letting you know. (laughs) Yeah. Next thing, Eliza calls him from the living room, complaining about how cold it is. Meanwhile, Stephen is literally dripping with sweat after like going around to all these other rooms and checking out and screaming at the landlord on the phone. But when he gets to the living room, he's like, what the fuck is she talking about? He says that the temperature literally dropped around 30 degrees. For our non-American listeners, I think that's about 15 degrees okay. Celsius. I like how you converted that. I wouldn't have thought to do so. Well, because I, I don't really know what 30 degrees is. A lot, I on guess. On its own. Yeah, but anyway, while standing there trying to comprehend just what the fuck he's experiencing... He suddenly feels what he describes as an electrical current passing through his body. He tries not to react in front of his daughter, and it seems like as soon as he feels this, the temperature starts going back up. He said he literally watched the thermostat climb back up. That's crazy. That's pretty cool, though, that he caught that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. like kind of reassures like as validation. Like, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I wouldn't, I, I guess, because You'd I've never been in this. Yourself, like, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, the two boys... Elliot and Eli had been staying in Stephen's bed all week because they were waiting for new beds to get delivered. Mm. That night, Eliza joined them too. She was scared already. Yeah, I, I think she was just uneasy. Okay. So Sunday evening, the family are there. This will be there nine days. Okay. Be. And you said Eliza's the oldest? Yeah. Okay. The family are sitting around in the living room, talking, discussing plans for the coming week. Like I said, the last week was the kids last week in school mm-hmm. so now they're on summer vacation and steven had to go on a work trip the following morning so they're spending the next few days at their granny's house and they're just like making arrangements for that love granny's house oh yeah all of the sweets mm-hmm. so anyway steven is facing the kids when he sees something behind them i noticed that first also actually <laughs> i watched a tv show with all of these people in it, like giving oh, their own, yeah? yeah, yeah, it was, it was all right. But I thought they were masking this guy's voice because uh-huh. it sounds like you know when people are trying to hide their identity. Oh yeah, yeah, the voice sounds like this. Does it really? Literally, this man's voice That's amazing. is. <laughs> it was so funny. Every time it cut back to him, I was okay, like, "Well, now you got to do the voice." Oh God, maybe I'll put it on in a special just, just, effect. Okay, like just it, real deep. It's though. the deepest voice. Yeah. So let's see. I noticed at first out of the corner of my eye. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I can't do that. These are like long quotes. Okay, so he says, I noticed at first out of the corner of my eye, a quick glance, something moving, standing at the kitchen doorway that led into the family room. Not something, someone. I looked toward it again. It was a dark figure of a man, even though there was full light. He was solid in form, except there was a moving, churning, dark grey, black smoke or mist that made up his form. I looked down because I was sure I wasn't seeing this and that my eyes were just playing tricks on me. One or two good rationalizations and we could go on with our lives without incident. A few moments passed and I was sure that when I looked up again, it would be gone. But he was still there and he began to move. Moving into the family room and pausing in the center of the room, his form was still a mass of churning, turning blackness. 
He stood there for what seemed an eternity, but in actuality, it was only a few moments, and then he melted into the air. Gone. I remember the thoughts that were racing through my head. I have two choices. We could run out of the house, screaming into the night like those crazies you always see in the movies, or we could get up, quietly, leave the house, and figure all of this out. (laughs) My hands were shaking uncontrollably. I love that. He was like, we could just run out of the house, or we can sit here and talk about science. Yeah. (laughs) But he gets up and he tries to stay as calm as possible, because literally the kids had their backs to this. Mm -hmm. So he's the only one who's seen it. And he just says, let's go get a soda and see grandma. (laughs) (laughs) And all the kids are like, wait, what? Like, so they're like, all right, cool. Yeah, it's like, it's before bed and like, this is totally out of character. But yeah, anyway, yeah. he says, luckily the keys are on the table right in front of him. He grabs them, gets the kids out of the house. As he was locking the front door, a loud, agonizing scream emanates from within the house. It was so loud that dogs began barking and Stephen finally loses his shit. He screams at the kids to get the fuck in the car and they run. Wow. As they're driving away, the youngest boy says in a very scared voice, Daddy, the basement monster is standing in the upstairs window. Stephen takes a look back and there it was. The black shadow he'd seen earlier is now standing, watching from the window. That poor baby. That night they slept at Stephen's parents' house. And then Steve got in and out early the next morning to collect his stuff for his business trip. And the house was empty for a week. I always feel bad for the kids in these situations. Big time. Yeah. Like. Because you know they're getting trauma. Oh, fuck yeah. You know it. Yeah. And like like that, the program I watched was A Haunting, that series. Um, oh, that's where you got this from? No, I, it was suggested by uh, Angela from Patreon. Oh, right, right, right. I forgot about that. If you want to look it up, it, the episode is on Daily Motion. Okay. A haunting, I can't remember the series or anything, the numbers, but it's called A Fear, or Fear House. Okay. But yeah, the, the boys are like, they're all, a, they're a pretty beefy family. And like, the two boys are like, you know, big, look like football playing boys. <laughs> but they're talking in it and they're like, you know that they're still fucking terrified Aww, by this thing. Like, yeah. even though they're grown in that. Yeah, that sucks. Anyway, after a week, they go back to the house and I get like, you know, everybody's calmed down and. They're like, maybe we just imagine this. I th- I think, yeah. Yeah. The, you know, maybe. just rationalizing is the word that keeps Or maybe we, we blew it out of proportion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So. I'm actually just, I, I keep trying to veer off my notes, but I, I'm going to read from the notes now. <laughs> That's a good idea. So they returned on Friday pretty wary, but the house remained quiet. There was a big shed in the back garden, and on Saturday, they were having a look around. They found what seemed like the personal effects of a few different people. Stephen, who I've written as Steve in the notes, I guess, maybe. <laughs> You're that familiar <laughs> with him now. Yeah, yeah. You know, me and Steve. Uh, Anyway, Stephen decides to call the landlord and just ask her straight up if there had ever been any, like, ghostly problems with previous tenants or complaints or anything like that. She said she didn't remember. Ah, what a fucking liar. Yeah, but 
that one tenant believed that her dead father had come to visit her and that some of the stuff in the shed had belonged to this person, but she wouldn't come back to take it. I hope someone spits in her food at the restaurant. <laughs> so the landlord just thought that that particular tenant was a bit loopy. Uh. Bit nuts. The other stuff, she said, had belonged to a man who had lived there, but just up and left in the middle of the night, leaving everything behind. Yeah, because that's normal. Totally fucking normal. So Stephen asked her how long ago all this had happened, to which she replied, Oh, not much more than a year, honey. Why do you ask? So within the last year, at yeah. least two people had just vacated the fucking house. Yeah. And she doesn't think that's strange. Yeah, like within the year, this is her third pair, like their tenant. Yeah, yeah. That's wild. Yeah, so Stephen was starting to believe or maybe just hoping that this had just been like a one-time thing. But then on Monday evening, he said, quote, I was on the phone with my mom. The kids were off playing in my bedroom, which was located on the first floor. While on the phone, I began to hear the inside doors rattling. Listening closely, they rattled again, and I yelled at the kids to quit playing games. I told mom that everything was okay, just the kids playing tricks. They rattled again, this time harder. So I scolded the children, this time louder, to behave and stop playing tricks. At this time, they rattled louder, but before I could scold the kids again, my daughter's scared voice cut me off. Daddy, I'm in here reading and my brothers are asleep. Just as soon as I heard my daughter, the temperature in the house instantly dropped a good 30 degrees. With it came the feeling of the electrical charge. With it came the feeling of the electrical charge running through my body. Along with its energy, a horrible stench that I cannot describe permeated the room. And then the screaming started. Softly at first, but building in momentum. I yelled through the phone for my mother to come help. We were getting out. Then the whole house began to shake and come alive. From above, I could hear something large coming down the stairs. Boom, boom, boom. The screaming of the man over and over. The screaming of my daughter. Daddy, what's happening? Along with this, came the thought that one of my two bedroom doors connected to the stairs. Boom, boom, boom. It was coming down those stairs. I had to get my children. The whole house was alive with noise. The floor beneath me was shaking as I made my way to the bedroom door. I felt something behind me and I knew I didn't want to turn around to see it. Boom, screaming. A new scream mixed into the man's scream. This one from a child. Boom, screams, boom. I made it to my bedroom door, but it wouldn't open. By this time, I too am screaming, throwing myself against the door, but it still wouldn't budge. I continued to throw myself against the door again and again until finally it slammed open. My daughter was in shock by this point. I instructed my middle son to grab his brother and run out the front door and head for the car. Boom, boom, screams. My daughter won't move and I finally had to slap her to bring her to life. Finally responding, I grab her and head for the door as I hear the other bedroom door slam open behind us. It was on our trail and I knew I couldn't let it reach us. The whole house still shaking and alive with noise and something big on our heels. When we reached the front door and out onto the porch, I slammed the front door behind us. As we got into the car, 
we could still hear the noise coming from the house. I drove away and parked at the top of the street where I could still see the house and wait for my parents to arrive. We could see it searching through the house, searching, searching for us, its blackness moving from room to room methodically. That was our last night in the house. That's so crazy. 13 days, I think. Wow. Yeah, that's all they lasted. The children never went back to the house. But, of course, Stephen had to go back and get all their shit. Yeah. He never went alone after that. Like, after what they had experienced. And he said that every single time he went back, whoever he had brought with him would have some sort of experience. Yeah. Whispers, screams, unexplained bangs coming from upstairs. And when he eventually handed the keys back to the landlord, she said, some people are meant to live in an old house like that. And some people aren't. I never thought you were the old house type. Which, why did she fucking accept their application and stuff then? You know what I mean? Because she's in denial. <laughs> After that night, right, it turns out, remember Eliza was frozen in fear. Yeah. But her experience was slightly different to Stephen's experience. Okay. She had heard all these noises coming from the closet in her bedroom. Oh, wow. Right? Like, lots of voices banging knocking and said from deep within the closet Mm. now i don't know how big this closet was but yeah like just a very trippy experience for her in particular elliot the middle boy also apparently had seen a terrifying clown in the upstairs of the house Uh. now any unidentified clown in your house is fucking terrifying yeah but anyway so everybody had their own unless it's wrinkles I don't know. It's like, fuck wrinkles, to be honest. <laughs> so, Stephen, his biggest fear was that he couldn't get to his kids. Mm. Eliza had the terrifying experience with her closet. Elliot saw a fucking clown walking around, spooking him out. And the youngest boy, Eli, just saw the monster. Okay? But, so, like, did the... Did Eli and Steven describe what they saw to each other? Because the dad saw a black mask and this kid called it a monster. Well, okay, that I don't I don't know what the kid envisioned as a monster. Yeah. You know, but anyway, the story's not over, by the way. Pretty soon, though, another family move in. Linda Marsh, her husband Emmett, and the 13-year-old daughter, Ashley. Kind of a similar story to the Lechance family, honestly, in terms of These guys had been living in a trailer park and saw this house as like a dream move, really coming up in the world and all like, how could we say no to this perfect opportunity? Linda takes a few days off work to get everything unpacked and set up in the new house. And she soon starts hearing some pretty unsettling noises coming from like upstairs. She would hear footsteps. Think like she started to doubt her her own fucking sanity instantly. But. The day that she starts hearing that, Ashley is upstairs chilling in her room and she hears the door slamming upstairs. She goes downstairs to be like, the fuck are you still slamming doors? Mm. And her dad tells her it's just an old house. A quote from Emmett, who is probably my favorite character in this whole saga. I love my wife and my kids, but I don't want to hear about that. You know, I ain't got time for that. I'm trying to think about how I'm going to get food on the table and, you know, pay the rent, stuff like that. But 
Ashley's experience kind of validates what Linda had already started thinking. This mm. house is haunted. Meanwhile, Stephen is like living with his fucking parents or something for the meantime. I don't know. But he's having these like recurring nightmares. I'm pretty sure the whole fucking family have PTSD. Yeah. But in this nightmare, he sees a faceless man standing in the basement, washing away blood from his naked, blood-covered body, grunting, panting, breathing. This is a quote, by the way. <laughs> the breathing You mean you're not getting hot for this yeah, yeah. faceless man? I should man. start this again. <laughs> Stephen has been having recurring nightmares <laughs> in which he sees, quote, a faceless man standing in that basement, washing away blood from his naked, blood-covered body, grunting, panting, breathing. The breathing you would hear when you were alone with it in a room. The breathing you would hear when you knew it was there. Heavy, labored breathing. So I should say there was... Like how, like how pork chop breathes. A little bit. <laughs> there was this shower in the basement, and when they were first checking the house out, yeah, because it's an older house, it was built in 1932, it's what's known as a butcher's shower. So I don't know why it's that, that specifically, that may... but it's for when people like bring in their kill. Like say oh. you bring a deer home, you can wash off all the blood and guts. Oh, okay. Because I was like, I'm still confused. Yeah. <laughs> I got it. Me though. too. Yeah, like why not just use the regular fucking shower? Anyway. Why don't you hose it down outside? Yeah. So... These dreams that he keeps having just get to be too much and he can't help himself from going back to the house to warn this new family. He goes over there and just awkwardly tells them what he had experienced and was like, look, I'm concerned this house is haunted. Emmett thinks he's a fucking looper and says, quote, oh, Lord, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen tells him they just need to leave. That's the only reasonable option that he can think of. Emmett tells him, thank you, but we're fine. I don't believe in that shit. And he goes off to work. But Stephen stays and has a chat with Linda, who now is like completely validated. Like, you know, she was genuinely concerned for her mental well-being. But now here's this other reasonable adult telling her the same shit. So she's like, look, we can't leave. But Stephen wants to help. I think... He he's just determined to help Linda and I think like he might have felt like maybe he failed or gave up too quickly. Mm. Something like that. Like he was partly responsible for these guys now living there mm -hmm. because he left early. That's just my the impression that I got. But he starts emailing paranormal groups and even the Warrens. Mm. He's like, look, I need fucking help. Yeah. Help me. Poor El Ashley, the new kid that's living in there. She's having a shit time. She's just starting to sh to see shit. And like whenever she tells her parents, her dad keeps telling her that she's just fucking crazy. Yeah. And her mom is like aloof. You know? yeah. <laughs> like she's. Her mom seems like she's hiding something. Yeah. The example in the TV show that I watched was that one night Ashley is sitting out on the porch talking on the phone when she suddenly notices like it was a doll in the TV show. But she says. There was a baby hanging from the tree. So she goes and gets Linda, her mom, to come out and look. But of course, by the time she comes back out, there's nothing there. Linda straight away just starts blaming her daughter, saying, oh, you know, she must be injecting cannabis or 
smoking ecstasy or something. You know what yeah. I mean? She's like, this she's, is textbook how parents shouldn't be acting. Yeah. Even though Linda is experiencing similar things. That's yeah. what I can't fucking understand. But also around the same time, Linda receives a letter from Ashley's school saying that she just hasn't been showing up. When Linda confronts her about this, she finds that she's actually been self-harming as well. So I don't know if she moved school when they moved to the new house or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But either way, she's just having a fucking really bad time. Naturally, Linda is afraid of this getting worse. And so she takes it to the hospital. She's committed for observation. Linda is convinced, however, that Ashley is possessed. Not a great thing to bring up around the old psychiatric ward, you know? Yeah. But it, again, it's such fucking double standards. It's like, do you believe that the little girl is experiencing these haunting things or do you think she's, you know, chewing crack or whatever? <laughs> like, yeah, say chewing crack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whatever parents think these kids are up to these days. They think they're wearing it or something. Yeah, she's doing the toad. <laughs> She does, however, Linda does, however, convince Emmett to allow a paranormal team to come and investigate the house. Mm -hmm. Emmett reluctantly agrees. He, like most people, he's like, I don't believe in that shit, but don't go poking around in it. Mm. You're going to get yourself in trouble kind of thing. Now there is a conflicting. Yeah, right. Stephen has gotten in touch with Betsy Burnett Belanger, nice. founder of St. Louis Spirit Search which is a paranormal group that has been around since 1993. Mm. And I had a little look into them. I tend to do that. Like anytime I get a story and a new name comes in, I will try and find out a little bit about them just for my own, like being fucking nosy. But this lady is actually the official historian of the infamous Lemp Mansion. Never heard of it. No, no. it's one of like, you know, the top 10 haunted attractions in America. Nope. Anyway, she's, pretty legit from right. what i found out and okay. like that she's been a ghost hunter or a paranormal researcher whatever you want to call it for almost 30 years now right. straight off the bat she feels something not human now i don't know if she's just like i don't know that she's necessarily a medium or anything like that but that's definitely what the tv show made out that she was a medium? Yeah, so I, again, I or don't know. Sensitive. Maybe she's just a little bit sensitive. Yeah. But she gets to the house and the first thing she says is, there's something not human here. I'd say after 30 years, it's probably a muscle you develop. Yeah. I mean, at this point, it would have only been 10 years in the game. Um, but yeah. anyway, they're immediately drawn to a room in the upstairs of the house. And Betsy senses an old man presence and even gets an EVP saying, this is my house. Saying, this is an old man. <laughs> I'm an old man. Get off my lawn. <laughs> I like the early bird special. Yeah. She says just in general, the house was not a nice place to be. This old man was like a negative energy or whatever, but he wasn't the negative energy. Yeah. Betsy had a pretty interesting theory about poltergeists. All right. She believes that a poltergeist is not an actual entity. Mm-hmm. But it's just energy, particularly negative energy, being manipulated through, call it what you want, like psychokinesis, telepathy. Yeah. Whatever the fuck you want. In this case, it's being manipulated by... The kid. The adolescent girl in the house. Let me guess, is she menstruating too? 
I mean, probably she's like 13. Hmm. Anyway, she's currently not in the house, though. Yeah. And also, she wasn't in the house when the Lachances were living there. Yeah. In the basement, she confronts the entity that Stephen has been dreaming of. Also, there seems to be a vortex or portal down there. Basically, she said there's a fuck ton of different energies in this house. Interesting. And, you know, if we believe in portals and vortexes. Yeah. It's just entryways. So any amount of spirits can come in and out. But because it's such a negative place. Uh Generally, the things that do come in and out are going to be fucking negative. Makes sense. Then one night, Emmett wakes up and he sees someone standing at the end of his bed. Hmm. I think it was the same black shadow that Stephen had seen, but a quote from Emmett, <laughs> he says, so now I've seen it, now I believe it. That's because I've seen it myself. <laughs> <laughs> if only that's all it took. I know. Right? <laughs> For anybody who's yeah, a skeptic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, I love that guy. So Stephen arranges for a Catholic priest to come over and give the house an old blessing. But (laughs) the priest basically shits himself. Just like in the Belfast ghost story, number 91. I think he does go upstairs, but he definitely doesn't go into every room. Yeah. And then he does a quick blessing downstairs, nowhere near the fucking basement. Yeah. And... They're like, oh, you're not going to bless the rest of it? Oh, oh, there's no need. No need. It's fine. I I blessed it. Yeah. Anyway. I blessed it. It blessed. <laughs> yeah. I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> but that night, Linda wakes up to unseen hands choking her in her bed. This poor lady, she was at the end of her tether. Like, literally, she calls Stephen the next day saying that she would rather kill herself than keep living in these conditions. Now, this seems extreme, but I don't have a timeline for this. And like any of these hauntings that we do look into, whether they're real or not, the toll they take on a person's mental health is fucking ridiculous. If it's not real and the people are still experiencing it, it's real for them. Yeah. And this can go on for weeks and months and months. And like, just think of all the people that don't believe you. Yeah. Or anything like that, you know? And all the sleep you're not getting. Exactly. Any aspect of this can understandably fuck a person up. So she's committed to hospital. And she's placed under observation for four days. Ashley had been in a, quote, mental health facility, whatever that really means, this whole time. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because she had been hurting herself and whatever. The doctor who was looking after Linda, like the guy who she meets with every day to evaluate the state of her mental health and prescribes her with whatever, just so happens to be the only fucking doctor in the world who also believes in ghosts. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So I, I didn't write the guy's name down, but he's a Muslim dude and he's just very chill about it. He's like, his attitude was, he's very religious. And he's like, it's in all of the religious texts. So why wouldn't it be true? I believe in God. Why wouldn't I believe in this? Yeah. And. Good, on, good for you, man. Yeah. Good and I, I think as well, he's like, if she believes she's experiencing this, it's as good as experiencing this. I don't think that she's hearing voices or anything. Yeah. So when Linda finally like opens up to him and tells him exactly what's been going on, he's like, okay, 
here's your prescription. Get the fuck out of that house and stop poking around and investigating ghosts and shit. They move out of the house. Literally, doctor's orders. They move out and everything is fine. Their nightmare is over. The next tenants are a family with six kids. They lasted about six months. Wow, um, that's pretty long. Yeah. So I did read that between 1999 and 2002, uh, something like seven families moved in and out of this house. Mm. Stephen took it upon himself to find out about the history of the house all around the time when he was getting the paranormal teams in. Mm-hmm. And dating back to the 1800s, the land was owned by some fucking Confederate slave owning scumbag who apparently showed up in a picture that Stephen's brother took while in the basement one day. Interesting. Yeah. Now, I did try and find this picture. I couldn't find it, but it's probably in the book. Okay. You know? So this guy owned the land, like a huge big fucking thing of land, and then eventually sold some of it to, I think maybe he was like a governor or some politician. And donated the rest to the county. And between 1900 and 1932, when the house was actually built, the land was the county poor farm. When people at the poor farm died, they would just be buried buried discreetly in an unmarked grave off to the side of the poor farm. So naturally, people died there. All these houses were built over it. There was also a civil war hospital which was also used as a nursing home and, again, more unmarked graves just in the general area. Also, some semi-famous execution of six people during the Civil War, and they think it could have happened, if not on exactly where the house is, somewhere nearby. Basically, just a fuck ton of bad shit had happened. A lot of deaths. Yeah, on the general area of where this house is built. And also, almost exactly where the house was built was either an old stables for horses or a slave's living quarters. Mm -hmm. They were built side by side, so close proximity again. In 1974, in a house a street over, according to Stephen, a woman butchered her husband with an axe before killing herself with a gun. I personally think this story is being confused with a story from the 19th century where a man is said to have killed his wife with an axe in the slave quarters that were originally there. But there was definitely a murder-suicide where a wife shot her husband before killing herself around this time as mm-hmm. well in the general area. In a house facing the screaming house, a man apparently shot himself in front of his young son or nephew, depending on where you read it. Again, a lot of maybes and close-by happenings that could all be potentially responsible for the house being haunted. but. According to longtime residents of the area, since as early as 1965, that house has just been known as the Haunted House. On a website called ParanormalTaskForce.com, which was, I think, last updated in 2007. Mm-hmm. It certainly looks that way. I literally had to copy all the text and put it into a Word document because it was like red text on purple background. <laughs> they had ongoing investigations in that house between 2001 and 2005, alongside many other paranormal groups. I read here that Lorraine Warren acted as a personal consultant to, quote, the client involved with the property at that time. I don't honestly know what that means, because obviously the Lachance family and the 
Linda Marsh and her family had moved out of the house. So I don't know whether they had convinced the old lady to help them work with them or not. Like, mm-hmm. I honestly, I don't know who this client, client is. was. But this, and I'm going to say this about paranormal groups. I would love to join one. Mm-hmm. I'd love to be a member of a paranormal group. Mm-hmm. But the amount of drama when people get together in any sort of group, it's like, oh my God, did you hear what she said? Blah, blah, blah. Literally, that's what half of this fucking page was. Mm. They were talking because one of their, you know, ex-associates wanted to perform a magic ritual and we didn't respect that. And they're like, so they started this group and like naming and shaming everyone. I was yeah. like, just tell me the fucking ghosts. Mm-hmm. I don't care about that shit. Well, you might not be cut up for it. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> I have no time for that kind of bollocks. So anyway, this group behind paranormaltaskforce.com they claim that the property has, in fact, three portals of entry. The alley right behind the house, the basement of the house, and an area in the front yard. They also say that something at the house causes horrible things to happen to animals. They would either get sick or be physically harmed. According to this website, two puppies, two kittens, and a hamster all lost their lives in the most horrible of circumstances. Weird. I don't know what they like, were. What were the circumstances? I don't know. I'm kind of like, I don't like reading about that kind of stuff anyway. Yeah. When it comes to animals, like humans, I'm like, yeah, whatever. Oh, they got eaten. Ooh. But as soon as it's like a kitten or a puppy, I'm like, oh. Yeah, I guess. But anyway, I don't know what happened. Just most horrible of circumstances. That's awful. While investigating the house, they claim people were thrown, held against walls, pushed, Shoved downstairs, touched in inappropriate ways, mm. bruised, bitten, as well as a number of people becoming physically ill by simple exposure to the house. I feel like that'd be me because I have stomach problems. Like, well, stomach problems are the worst. Yeah. For me, I'm a baby. So as well as this, people also reported feelings of sadness, aggression and anger. Nightmares were not an unusual occurrence for anyone that was exposed to the house. Like weeks and months after people were still having nightmares about being in this house or whatever. Earlier, we spoke about Stephen's middle child seeing a clown. Yeah. And Stephen's belief is that whatever it was in the house had this power to just know what a person's biggest fear is, like it or a boggart from Harry Potter. Mm hmm. Eliza was apparently deathly afraid of closets to begin with. Mm-hmm. And so her experience started in the closet. A lot of kids are like that. Elliot saw the clown. Eli saw a monster. And Stephen was unable to get to his kids. But according to the Paranormal Task Force website, almost everyone got their own personalized apparitions. Someone even reported seeing a leprechaun. That's so fucking insane. Right, yeah. I think it was a child. Yeah. So does that mean that I'd see sharks? I don't fucking know. Like, Wouldn't that be crazy, though? My th- my theory with that, in particular with the Bogart, mm. I remember reading about that, like, when I was, what, like, fucking nine? Yeah. And uh, my theory is, like, I guess you'll never know what that biggest fear, because I could sit here and go, oh, it's ghosts. Yeah. But really, it could be something a lot more real. Yeah, yeah. You know, when it comes down to it. So I don't know. Sharks are real. Yeah, but on land. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, what I see in land shark. 
Or just a big shark, shark man on the ground. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that'd be scary as fuck. So the Catholic Church eventually got involved in this and they have released a 165 page document about the Screaming House. Stephen shared some of it on the Screaming House Facebook page. And it states. The case here is obviously an authentic demonic infestation that went through the stages of diabolical obsession, diabolical oppression, and diabolical possession. All of these demonic angels were invited by several individuals, and one of them is the landlord. Mm. I hope and pray you and everyone involved have healed and recovered from this experience. At this time, I would like to say that there are many people who failed you in this case. I hope in some small way this evaluation finally puts some closure on your case and does not fail you. Feel free to go onto this page and read this, but I will say anything after that, what I just read, is 100% misogynistic, Christian, holier-than-thou bollocks. Mm. It goes on to blame people who have abortions. Oh. Like, literally. And here I thought, like, okay... Yeah. The landlord did it. Yeah. Awesome. No, no, no. This, but no, the never mind. particular priest who wrote this is mm-hmm. just a horrible prick. Mm. He also blamed Stephen's wife for leaving him. She was possessed in the first place. No, she was just a piece of shit. I mean, yeah, right. So then it goes on talking about abortions for fuck. And I just got angry and stopped reading it. So again, if you're not triggered by that kind of thing, feel free to go on there and read it. Yeah. I'm telling you now, it's bollocks. In my opinion. In my professional opinion. Yes. <laughs> Knowing what bollocks is. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen reports that every now and then he'll take a drive by that house, which apparently the old lady who owns it. This is why I'm so confused about who the quote unquote client was. Okay. You know, did Linda Marsh stay there for four years? I don't honestly know. I don't think so. But anyway, the old lady who, who does own it had tried to convert it into a dog kennel as of late 2016. There are something to do with the license got wasn't allowed or some bollocks. Anyway, anytime Stephen drives by, he says that he sees the black shadowy figure watching him from the upstairs window every time. Weird. Now, one of my major sources for this was a website called legendsofamerica.com where Stephen actually wrote his own piece about the haunting. I don't know how it was published initially, but he wrote... Basically, what I just read at the very start of this, like it's not too much longer than that, just about his own family's experience. And then later on, he went on to write the books. So this was the first thing that was published about it. It's on legendsofamerica.com. It's also on screaminghousemissouri.wordpress or something like that. But on legendsofamerica.com, they have a comment section. Mm. And I found this in the comments. I may have actually lived in this house. The reason I say may have is due to the fact that I was very young, probably four years old. I distinctly remember the shower in the basement. The two events that stand out in my mind, and I remember these very clearly, took place in the attic slash upstairs area of the house. I remember looking at the bed that was up there and seeing a woman's head in a major state of decay sitting in the middle of the bed. The lower jaw was missing, so it was from the upper teeth and onto the hair. Needless to say, I was terrified and in tears. I went to go down the stairs, and there, in the middle of the flight of stairs, lying across one of the steps, 
was a small coffin with no lid, with a child's skeleton lying inside. I hated that house. This was way back in the early 80s, and I haven't been back there since, but I guarantee that I would not want to live there again. Oh. As of May 2021. Yeah. Somebody has just moved in and started renovating. Oh, wow. So. You don't, we don't know what it is. What it's going to be. Yeah. Like, this could be the end of the story or this could be the, a whole other fucking chapter. Like a new chapter, yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the person said that they didn't know any of this before oh, moving in. I'm sure or, they didn't because I'm pretty sure the landlord was like, oh, you probably look like you <laughs> could live in an old house. Yeah. Um, Bitch. But yeah, so that... that <laughs> <laughs> so I, I hope I didn't like fall over myself too much. I felt like there was a lot of uh, a lot of information in this one. My sources were frightfind.com, Facebook, strangely enough, thescreaminghouse.wordpress.com, the haunt, the A Haunting TV series, which the episode I found on Daily Motion, and paranormaltaskforce.com. So yeah, like that's honestly the the story is not over. Like as yeah. cheesy as that is to say, like the house is still there. If you do watch that episode of a haunting like i tend to watch these things and take everything that's on it with a grain of salt anyway but like even down to the house that was used on it like that's nothing like the actual house like i said that the actual house is much smaller and it's still there to this day as did you as google know. map it no but i found actual pictures of the, oh that's how i knew it wasn't yes yeah. yeah if any of our listeners are in the missouri area or Union, Missouri area in particular. Try and find out what's going on with the house now, because I want to know, did that old landlady die? And that's how this new family came to take it on or, or whatever. And take a picture of the house. Yeah, take a, and take send a it picture to us. in front of the house. Yeah, and send it to us. That'd be nice. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there you go. The, the screaming house of Union, Missouri. Right on. That was a good story. Yeah, and like that, there's... Tons more detail in there. Feel free to go and read about. Like, there's a lot more history and stuff like that. All right, everybody. Um, we have no more. We 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 don't have any news. <laughs> That's All it. right. All right. All let's right. wrap this shit up. Yep. Right. Okay, bye. <laughs> no, no, if you follow. Oh, actually, I do have one thing to say. Last oh. week the episode got fucked up when we uploaded it, mm-hmm. and. Thank you to all the people who messaged us to say that it got fucked up because I didn't realize it initially. Um, so I re-uploaded it and the new file was fine. But for whatever reason, Apple wasn't updating. So if you haven't, if you still haven't heard the full episode, feel free to go onto our YouTube or check it out on Spotify or anywhere else. As far as I'm aware, it's only Apple that is having this big backlog and I have emailed them. I also emailed our distributor and they said that Apple is just having a really bad backlog for whatever reason at this moment. So I am very sorry about that. But like I said, if you want to find out what happened in Dulce's story and to the rest of the rock stars, yeah, go on to YouTube and you can watch it on there. Other than that, please leave us a five star rating and review in mm-hmm. uh, iTunes. Join our Patreon if you want bonus creep. This Saturday we have an episode of Weekly Crep coming out. 
Oh yeah, we do have an episode of Weekly Crip. Yeah, so uh, we're oh, you gonna... hadn't you hadn't uploaded that yet? No, c- purely because I want to try and do it every Saturday. Mm. We will have rotating. We'll have extra Weekly Creep episodes or a Patreon video, whatever else. Yeah, follow us Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. If you're still listening to this, we love you. Send us your <laughs> ghost stories. Send us your true crime stories. Do. Do a handstand and send us a picture. I don't fucking know. Yeah, we want to see your handstand. Yeah, we want to see how flexible you are. <laughs> and yeah, I guess that's about it, right? So yeah, please do all of whatever we just said. And most importantly, have a great fucking weekend. Yay, bye. Okay, bye. You got a live one. Oh. I'm guessing. Yep. Ah. Oh. <laughs> What is it? I don't know. Oh, it's a spider, I think. (laughs) You idiot. It crawled away from you. So Max has just caught himself something. And it's it's alive. A mosquito. I've never seen a mosquito look like that. I'm just sitting here watching all this unfold. Fuck you, asshole. You're gonna die. I don't think he wants to eat it. I think he just wants to play with it. (laughs) Good boy. (laughs) All right. Living with cats. It's fucking fantastic. God, it's like nature's vacuum cleaner. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So, sorry, there's no more fly, Max. (laughs) He's like, oh, is there more? I don't get it. Like, he was asleep. It's like he had a fucking sixth sense or something. Yeah, they, they have that.